0: Yak, Shamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Get all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, discussion, anal- analysis, you name it, we got it, especially this podcast. Check out... Hello? We're here with Jazz TV. preparing and how
1: are you feeling and uh, the team's preparing with a lot of energy uh, I feel like that's definitely to be one of the main focuses uh, for this team this week because uh, last week that was, I feel like that was the story for us we didn't come out with energy and we've seen how that affected us but when we do come out with energy we saw how things can change and things like that so for me preparing for this game I feel like it's just bringing that energy and uh, kicking everything up a notch because it's, it's Big Ten season now and things are going to start getting really serious and especially playing away we've got to really lock in
0: you and Robin formed a great tandem and last year you merged and he really stepped up uh, you know last year too. What do you guys feel especially what do you guys see out of that Michigan state secondary you uh, hoping to exploit
1: uh, they got a really sound group we know that we know they got a physical group they got a they got a group that's always going to be where they need to be you know the, very rarely do they get busted coverages and things like that so we just got to make sure we're on with our technique and uh, we're gonna have to win those one on ones as our coaches keep telling us it's going to be a, it's going to be one of those close games like that uh every every uh pass is going to be a contested catch and things like that so we just got to make sure we look everything in finish plays
0: talking about that too i noticed especially this season just seeing the hands and making the catches hands and making those contested grabs how much work does that go into i mean obviously you have the jugs machine but what have you worked on to to incur, you know just in, in group is in general to improve on catching and working on that
1: aspect i mean that's that's practice for us i mean for me specifically that's that's practice for me every day Uh, any catch or any pass that's on my way uh, whether it's contested or not, i just got to make sure i look those in and those are my my practice reps i just try to put myself in as our coaches tell us put yourself in that game situation and stuff like that so that's what i try to do so when i'm in those moments in the game it, it all just feels like practice to me so i feel like that's been the biggest thing to help me uh start doing things like that
0: what do you remember, I mean, the big game in 2011, I know that the Badgers played Michigan State here in 2012, but 2011, the, the Jeff Duckworth catch, what what do you remember from that, and where, where were you, and were you a Badger fan at that time, too, and just what were some of the things that you remember from that catch in the Big Ten Championship game? Uh,
1: I remember I've always been a Badger fan, so I uh, know I was rooting for the Badgers, of course. Uh, where I was, it's probably at home watching the game, and that Jeff Duckworth catch is the one thing I do remember from that game, for sure, and... Uh, yeah, our co- uh, I remember our coaches have showing us that play and things like that, and uh, we're still watching film on from that game on now, uh, just learning more and more things because we know Michigan State, uh, for the D.B.'s coach, has been there for 10 years, I believe, we've been told, so nothing's changed with them, so we can watch film years back and still be seeing the same things now, so I feel like that's been a really helpful thing.
0: And uh, just, uh, have you said anything, I know he's a G- uh, G.A. here, has he said anything really about the game or the rivalry? I mean, the rivalry, yeah, they, them, they played for a while, but just... He's, anything?
1: Uh, he's let us know uh, the history, the history of this game. The coaches keep harping on that. Uh, uh, this the history, of this game goes uh, way back. Uh, it's always a long, hard-fought game. It's always a physical game. It always comes down to the last possession and things like that. So we know we're going to have to be locked in all four quarters and overtime if need be. So it's just going to be one of those games.
0: I know that there's been talk with the quarterbacks and then also kind of just uh, splitting reps. They're, they're talking earlier and. Alex might let something slip. But in terms of just how they um, is it different to catch a I asked Troy this too, is it different to catch a left handed throw from a right handed throw?
1: Absolutely not. It looks different, uh, for sure, just because it has a lefty spin and it might have a different angle to it and something like that, but catching it wise it's it's all the same.
0: And uh, okay. Welcome back, guys. Apologies for the technical difficulties. Skype and technology and a computer did not mix for a period of time. This is Jay Kokorowski. That was Jez Peavy. Got a chance to talk with the Kenosha native on Tuesday. That was before the news of Alex Hornerbrook being officially named starter. That happened last night via Facebook Live and Badger Breakdown, which is one of the shows for the Wisconsin Badgers on their Facebook account. So uh, again, thanks for uh, keeping with us. Uh, we got the Polish rifles. Got this news key here. And before we, we're going to dive into the Packers first and into our big topic here tonight. Uh, real quick news for those that don't know the Wisconsin Badgers did announce uh, via their injury report junior kicker Rafael Gaglianoni is out with a back injury. And per comments from Paul Christ, I was there earlier this uh, earlier today. He uh, will, uh, you're looking at the fact that they will replace Gaglianoni with. Andrew Endicott, uh, who's norm- normally been a kickoff specialist. He lost the job this year to P.J. Rosowski, but you're now looking at a kicker that has never, never uh, kicked a field goal or PAT at Wisconsin uh, in his collegiate career. Uh, now having to go to East Lansing and take care of duties there. And and then you also have John Dietzen, left guard, out. That offensive line's thin. Micah Capoy is questionable. So, Full, a walk on Brett Connors could get that opportunity he's known as the jack of all trades uh in terms of backing up people so uh quite the calamity of injuries a lot of unknowns you still don't know about Corey Clement uh and Taiwan deal each who have leg injuries uh and those uh, Paul Chris is a little bit more I guess you could say optimistic but still up in the air both are still questionable uh, and, and a lot of uncertainty heading to East Lansing, but the Badgers are still three and zero. We'll talk about that after talking about the Packers now. And Scott, you know, this is a, a rough. It was a rough week for the offense for Wisconsin and uh, for Green Bay, I should say. But you know, it, Aaron Rodgers, who seems to be Superman on the field, definitely not uh, on Sunday and yesterday taking some. You know, kind of not necessarily. I would say lashing out, but uh, just uh, telling the media about that critiquing and analyzing that they don't pay attention to it. Uh, I mean, let's start off with the game first. What happened uh, and what, what did you see out of the Packers in that offense that, you know, normally usually they're you're, they're all on, you know, they should be running but, on but, all but cylinders, but right?
2: Not. But, no, they're not. They haven't been running on all cylinders Basically, since week seven of last season, um, you know, and and at the, that time, and, and really even the first six games, they were getting by. They were they were good, but then they struggled, and everybody blamed it on Jordy Nelson. But it's more it's that's way too simplistic, or not blamed on Jordy Nelson, but said it's because Jordy Nelson wasn't there. Uh, there's a couple things at play here. Now, and you could go one of two ways, and I'm not sure where I fit, feel, how I feel, and where I I I side on either one of these arguments you could say aaron Rodgers just isn't elite anymore he's still capable of being very good but he hasn't been elite for essentially 12 regular season games so 12 games is a trend it's not just an anomaly you could say that mike mccarthy and 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 understand you know me i'm not a fire the coach guy and i've been a supporter of mccarthy even though most people that i know haven't been over the last few years he's become very predictable he doesn't run multiple sets he doesn't run a jumble package on short yards like he used to he never hardly seems to run two tight ends or five wide receivers he's he's become very much running everything out of the same set and sometimes that works for teams and sometimes i think the packers have become easy to scout and I think when you become easy to scout in a league where there are football geniuses, I'm not calling anybody a genius, football geniuses who will figure you out, who will figure out your tendencies. I think that yeah, there were times earlier in career in middle of his career where I felt like Mike McCarthy could outcoach just about anybody, and now I've become uh, more inclined to believe that he is easily outcoached. I don't understand... You know, we can talk about personnel all we want. I think this team has enough talent to be a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're a hands-down slam dunk, but they have enough talent. But no matter what you have with that talent, okay, if you're lining them up the same way, and you become predictable in the sets, and you become predictable in the things you do, you're going to get figured out. And you're going to get figured out when you have a top-of-the-line defense like Minnesota is. So... That was problem one in that game, and that was illustrated. The other thing that was illustrated, again, is Dom Capers. And people, you know, people, are, people on Facebook and social media, one thing I hate about social media, they just like to fight for fight's sakes. Sometimes it's just stupid. They feel like if you complain about something, like say I complain about Dom Capers, that somehow I'm saying that the offense looked fine on Saturday. That's not what I'm saying. But let me tell you what my problem was with Dom Capers in that game. So the same player... Stephon Diggs kept beating the same Green Bay Packer, Randall, like a like a rented mule all night, and never once did they rotate any help to that side while he continued to chew up the defense. And my complaint was that Dom Capers doesn't make in doesn't make sufficient enough in game adjustments. I don't think you could argue that. You know, you can tell me what he used to do in Pittsburgh, and you can tell me what he used to do in Carolina, and you can say, oh, it's Ted Thompson's fault because they didn't give him enough talent, or they have too many young kids, or what? you can say whatever you want. I'm not saying that the defense is terrible and it should be stripped down and thrown away. I'm saying that Don Capers makes insufficient in-game adjustments. I took a lot of heat for that because somehow that I was saying that it's okay for Mike McCarthy to be vanilla and it's okay for Aaron Rodgers to fumble three times. Again, people like to be stupid on the Internet. And, and I think the Internet has made us worse at listening and reading and comprehending than ever before because you pick out two words and you're ready to argue about it. But I think so defensively, bad adjustments. Offensively, pr- pr- just too much predictiveness. You're too predictable. So that's what happened in that game. That game was the Packers to win. It was theirs to win with Peterson being out. They did a nice job stuffing the run. One player, two, I guess, because you got to give Sam Bradford credit for picking up the offense quick enough. But but it was Bradford to Digs all night to move the chains. And even then, they only scored 17 points. Yet think the Packers offense, who is now ranked 29th in the NFL after two games, I get it, should be able to even against a good. Put up more than uh, seventeen points, and they were unable to.
0: It, there were signs in that Jacksonville game that Rodgers was back. I mean, that one throw to was Devonte Adams off, you know, off kilter and uh, and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not necessarily too worried. And, and you know, you got to give credit to the Vikings. I, I will say this: like you have to give credit to Mike Zimmer in that in that. Minnesota's defense. I mean, you have to because it's just the way that they that that type of defense has given Rodgers troubles. It's been well documented. So you got to give them credit for that. But yeah, I mean, I will say they're. I mean, just even some of the throws, uh, the the interception at the end for Trey Williams. Like that's normally that's not a to me an Aaron Rodgers type throw. And it's it's let,
2: let me tell you why I don't. First of all, losers tip their hat. I mean, all last year, people. You got to tip your hat. You got to tip your hat to Detroit. You got to tip your hat to Chicago. For no, I don't have to tip my hat anybody. But let me tell you what worries me. Look, take a look at Aaron Rodgers. Watch the. You'll watch the game this week, like I will. Watch his body language over the course of the last year and a half when things don't go well. And the the, the play that got me was go back and watch the play if you have access to it when he fumbled the ball and it was recovered by cops. He was running downfield, was 20 yards downfield. He got stripped from behind, and he had this look on his face like like a fetus slash um, bewildered look, not the look of a leader and not the look of an elite quarterback. And understand, I don't know that there's anything per se wrong with him or if it's just been a slump, but he certainly isn't the air. Even if there's glimmers. Glimmers of Aaron Rodgers, glimmers of the MVP Aaron Rodgers, aren't going to win this team's Super Bowl. Glimmers are going to get you hyped up to think that everything's still fine, only to have the rug pulled out from under you. Again, I don't think all is lost because of one game. Um, I do think Minnesota's a good team. I think the Packers should have won that one um, under those circumstances. I don't think it's the end of the season, but it just continues a trend from last year. And, but, but now let me shift gears a little bit because the other thing I don't like are people are killing Aaron Rodgers for his press conference yesterday and Mike McCarthy for, quote, not calling out his quarterback. Jake, who in the hell calls out their quarterback? You, you can hate Mike McCarthy for many reasons. It's your choice. But if you hate him because he didn't call out his quarterback, who does? What NFL coach thinks it's good for the locker room and the psyche of his team to call out his quarterback in a press conference?
0: Uh, no one. That wouldn't be productive.
2: Right. right. So when I'm listening to this, I, I, I was stuck in traffic. I had a meeting, a long meeting, and I was driving back, and I was listening to sports radio here in Milwaukee, and that's what people were mad about. Some of, um, again, there's plenty of reasons to be mad at Mike McCarthy if you choose to. Like I said, I think he's predictable. I think he's losing the team because they're tired of his voice. That doesn't make him a bad coach. You know how it is. Some great coaches eventually just wear out their welcome. And Andy Reid was a great example. And he picked up the pieces and he's winning somewhere else. Okay? So I'm not saying Mike McCarthy's a bad coach. I don't like his play calling lately. I'm just saying it might be time to consider a change if the season doesn't play out the way Packer fans and the organization hope But you can't be mad at him because he didn't Bust toss his quarterback Nor can you be mad at Aaron Rodgers for saying we, He didn't say we don't Care I know he, he kind of alluded to it. He's saying we look at things differently It would be negative And counterproductive for us To read the newspaper and go Hey um, Rob Domofsky says we should run this offense I like Rob Domofsky he's awesome but he's not an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I mean, Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but you don't really expect any team in the NFL sits in their position meetings and goes, hey, I'll open up uh, the sports page and let's see what they think we should do to fix things. Do you think any team does that? Good or bad. Do you think uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars do it? Do you think the New England Patriots do it? Do you think anybody in between? No. Nobody does that. So again, people were mad today. Well, Aaron Rodgers says he doesn't care what the what the with the media and reporters and fans. Say. He can't. You can't, especially sports talk radio fans, and I love them and God bless them. But they're so up and down, like the wind. Imagine every one of them thinks they're a general manager, and some of them are very smart, but they all have different opinions. You you can't just say okay, you know, I, Kyle from Mequon says you know we should run more five receiver sets, so Kyle from Equan's right. He might be right, but no but team's gonna go, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Kyle from Equan's got it. What are his credentials? Like, come on. You can't be you can be mad at a lot of things. But don't get yourself worked up over silliness like that. It's just it doesn't make any sense and, and it's a counterproductive use of your time as a fan or a media member.
0: Yeah, looking ahead now, you're looking at Green Bay, Detroit Noon kickoff at home, uh, and it's it's the you know Packers will be home at many. They're an 8 point un, uh, favorite right now, and uh, according to ESPN, their matchup predictor seventy nine point one percent. We'll see how about uh, how that goes. Too high. They won't, yeah, too high.
2: They will not. They will not. They, they won't cover that spread. They won't. Really? Even but with I uh, mean,
0: look, I'm taking a look at their injury report right now, like for the lines. Uh, Amir Abdullah out. By the way, IR. Uh, DeAndre yeah, Levy questionable. You know, so Ezekiel, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, Ansa for their D end, which was we supposed to match up nicely with Bakhtiari. He's doubtful. Mm-hmm. Eric Ebron, questionable, mm-hmm. and Deandre, Deandre Levy, the former Badger, uh, who is like the, mm-hmm. the heart of their, their their the inside of their defense, yeah. questionable too. I mean, are you? I mean, you you still think that they're? I mean, you,
2: you think they're that are still going to be a to, close game? They, yeah, they won't cover that spread. You know, they could win by four, or five, something like that, but. Here's the thing that's going to hurt them. They will, Detroit, even with Ansa out, they will get a pass rush on Green Bay. So we will get to see if Aaron Rodgers has overcome some of that stuff or if he's still having some, a little bit. I, again, I think it's self doubt a little bit. I do. I really do. And it has nothing to do with Olivia, and it has nothing to do with him not eating cheese. It has nothing to do with any of that. I think there's a little bit of self doubt over the last year, year and a half of him wondering if he's as good as he used to be. He's still good. But is he as good as he used to be? I think he thinks about that as well. But here's the thing. There will be some pass rush. He still has to get in rhythm with Jordy Nelson. He could not, Jordy Nelson didn't get a lot of separation, but when he did, Rodgers couldn't find him. Rodgers couldn't hook up with him. So there's still some of that chemistry that might take a couple weeks to work out. There were no preseason snaps with those guys working together and, and getting some of that timing back. And and somebody said, Jordan Nelson looks a little slow. Yeah, probably. It's probably going to be a few more weeks. It's been 13 months. And I know that we live in a day and age where the medical miracles are more plentiful than before, but it's still 13 months since a major reconstructive knee surgery. So, yeah, he's probably not as fast as he was before the injury. He may never be. He likely will be, but it will be a little bit yet before he's 100%. So let's relax on that, too, and say, well, maybe he's not as good as he used to be. Or maybe he just blew out his ACL, and he's trying to make get himself back into shape. Nonetheless, those are the factors that will come up on Sunday. They're still working on that timing. And defensively, Stafford's ch- – I know that they're not going to miss Abdullah because I think the running back that matters on that team is Theo Riddick. And the fact that he's a pass-catching guy who can – make matchup problems for those middle linebackers and he comes up the seam. I think they'll throw the ball around a lot with three decent receivers. They don't have a superstar, but Golden Tate's good. I like Jones, and Golden's got a couple weeks left before his age starts to show up on him. So the timing is right for them to be able to put up some points against the Packers. Do I think Detroit can win this game? Yes. Do I think they will? No. Do I think they're going to get blown out? Absolutely not. The Packers haven't shown me in the last calendar year almost that they can blow anybody out. You remember last year they lost some games. They won some games that they needed either miracles at the end or you know close games that they should have been blowing people's doors off. And we, we have these conversations every week. Well, they should win this one by ten. No, they're not going to this week because they don't seem to have that in them that last year. They haven't proven that they have it in them this year yet either. So, can this be fixed? Sure. Is it going to get fixed this week? I think they're going to win. But I don't think it's going to be the laugher that everybody thinks. And I think there's still some things that they need to work on and need to figure out. And Detroit's one of those teams. I I think that they have a better chance of blowing them out because of some of those injuries. But the key is going to be, don't get any pass rush on, on Aaron Rodgers. And, I'd really love to see them use the middle and use two tight ends. You know, if something would happen and Mike McCarthy would change his, his play calling a little bit and mix things up, this could end up being a blowout. But I don't think those changes are coming just yet. And if the changes do come at all, and maybe this is the one time it's good to have an early season bye week, a week four bye week, they might work on implementing some different things during the bye week. So that could help cure some of this, but it's not gonna happen overnight. It's not gonna happen this week. And the Packers are gonna have to do enough to get a win and get into the bye week. (laughs) Get into the bye week and try to figure some of this out.
0: Looking at the defense side real quick, obviously Demarius Randall did not have a good game against Maryland product and Vikings receiver. Stephon uh, Diggs. I think it was Pro Football Focus, and this is a big thing. Pro Football Focus rated both Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams, and Demarius Randall is the worst uh, three at their respective positions. So that 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 worked great. Uh, I guess in hindsight, the good thing, and that's if that's for the people that like the. Pro Football Focus uh, looks for, for the advanced stats or the uh, which I mean here and there I mean Rodgers is I don't know, I don't think Rodgers gets his due on Pro Football Focus enough but, but you know no and I don't back think and I don't
2: think those analytics work as well as they work in baseball I don't I know I, that I, I can agree with that yeah
0: I agree with that absolutely
2: I I, I just don't and and he and I'll give you an example I still don't like Devontae Adams okay but. To say that he was the worst player at his position last week, I don't know. He had some catches. Uh, he wasn't a complete washout. Some people want to blame him for the interception, even and whatever. But I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he's good. But I don't think he's bad. I don't. I, I don't know. How, you'd have a hard time it, it, telling me why he was the worst at his position last week. That it, again. That but fine. Whatever. That's their. That's their shtick. They're more than welcome to it.
0: Absolutely. So no, I agree. I agree. Um, so it's, um, I mean, I will say one thing with all pro football focus that you like, you take a look at some of their ratings uh, and you'll see guys, I mean, I think they get the general part of it for the most part, right. Where you have, uh, you know, looking at the the first half on uh, the Cowboys game, you see some of the best, you know, the, the best graded ones. You see guys like Travis Frederick or, you know, I think offensive line stuff, maybe they get a little bit more right on things. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, the, uh, anywhere else? I mean, right now, Jacoby Brissett uh, is just tearing up uh, the Houston Texans from uh, it's 10 nothing right now, uh, end let, of the first let me quarter. Ask you and, this
2: question. Let, let yeah. me ask you this question. Who's more valuable? And I, I'm stealing this, I'll be honest, from Mike and Mike this morning, but it really made me think. It really made me think. Who's more valuable, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick?
1: Oh, it's Belichick.
2: I, isn't it? I mean – Jacoby Brissett on three days to get ready for the start. They've managed to come up with a game plan. They're, obviously, he's more of a running quarterback, but they've managed to game plan against one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they are up ten nothing halfway through the second quarter. I, I'm sorry, but you know you can hate Bill Belichick. I don't. I think he cheats a little bit. He bends the rules, but they don't win because they deflate balls. They don't win because they make your microphones shut off. I mean, that's part of it, and it's kind of shady. But they game plan. Like, they game plan like monsters, and it worked. I, anyway, so that, that, that was my point on that.
0: Yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, just down, anything else that stood out to you, I mean, hey, one thing, Melvin Gordon for the Chargers, uh, at least three touchdown passes, his first 100-yard game. As a r- NFL running back, uh, granted, yeah. uh, they, they're 1-1, one and one, so it seems like Gordon, uh, with the help of, you know, you have Derek Watt now, who we've had a chance to speak with on the show uh, as a sixth-round draft pick. He uh, played, you know, uh, he's, I think, contributed there. But, uh, you know, Gordon's really making a, an emphasis and making an impact early in the 2016 season, especially with the guy uh, with their uh, uh, Kenyon Allen out now uh, for the year. And, and Danny, um, Danny, Danny Wurtat, which yeah, would
2: Yeah, that's uh, a big loss, and, and and I'll tell you another thing. That's a huge loss, and I like that Melvin Gordon's doing well. His team's not going to do well, though. I mean, it's a lot to take on, and you know, um, but good for him. Like, last year was weird because he didn't score any touchdowns, and people were, like, are ready to say, oh, there's another Wisconsin running back. But I'm like, all right, Melvin Gordon's – I tried to tell everybody. Melvin Gordon's different than Ron Dane and, and uh, uh, some of the other guys that – that didn't have great Chris Monte ball. I said Gordon's different. I think he's gonna get it, and he's gonna be a guy that's a really good NFL running back. And now, in just his second year, he's starting to show that. It,
0: it's a uh, yeah. I, I yeah. I think you and I've talked about it before too with him. Like I think Gordon has that ability to be special. And last year, I mean, hey, it's rookie stuff. Uh, maybe the offensive line wasn't great. He had some fumbling troubles. Uh, rookie curve there now he you know, if he continues this pace it's still early on it's an eighth through uh, through the, the season but he appears to be a significant contributor so uh, and you know he very well I mean give him like 2,000 yard seasons consecutively and he'll be the best running back product uh, in the NFL that's from Wisconsin in its history uh, you know and I'll, I'll say this uh, you know he it's a guy like, you know, in that running back series just for Wisconsin, you know, take a, it, it's been not the the Ron Danes or, you know, Michael Bennett was a dual threat where he was a receiver out of the backfield, but guys that split time, like Terrell Fletcher had a huge NFL career with the Chargers and he was, he could run the ball here and there, but he was mostly out of the backfield. James White can do the same thing. And I mean, you're looking at it right now, he doesn't have, doesn't have a catch right now uh, or a rush uh, during the game against JJ Watt and the Texans, but, uh, i think those guys have been really successful from you know the past 20 25 years are are guys that are able to you know be that have that third ask, you know he can pass block they can run the ball when they need to but you know they have that ability to run, get out of the backfield and be a threat in the passing game so uh you know I, i'm i'm yeah. interested like uh, i'm interested in seeing how how gordon progresses and see how he gets out of the backfield and how he's a receiver too cuz uh, I mean, there are times where he caught the ball out of the backfield for Wisconsin, uh, not as much as White, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but with that, uh, anything else on NFL before we uh, take it over to Badger talk?
2: Well, you know, just want to make a comment about James White. I'm surprised he hasn't been more involved in the offense, but he seemed to be Tom Brady's toy last year. And I think when Brady comes back, Brady really liked using him out of the backfield. And, again, game planning for different quarterbacks, right? So, you know, maybe he won't be the guy that's going to see a lot of love from Brissette. But I think when Tom Brady comes back, I, he I think he he loved having White be that dump off guy for him. So I think you'll see more of James White as the season rolls on. But early on, he's been he's been quiet. Uh, but again, you know, diff, different that's different game plans for whoever is under center at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I do find that it, I mean, I'm sure that Hill's role. I mean, yeah, they have look like, there Blunt and uh, they. I'm sure they'll utilize him more and they'll uh it just depends upon the schemes and stuff, but yeah. Um just trying to think what else is going on. Uh good to see uh Alex Erickson real quick. Uh familiar NFL uh guy former walk on. Uh Erickson making his first uh reception. They had a little bit of trouble on punts as a punt returner, kinda had fair caught a couple within the ten yard line. I'm sure he'll learn from that. Uh but another yeah. undrafted free agent for the Badgers making uh you know, making an impact in the NFL. Um and Joe Schobert starting. That's that's crazy. Uh and uh good for him, uh the all American linebacker, Big Ten linebacker of the year. Uh also featured uh you know, uh gotta interview him for the book too. So uh good to see the badges uh rolling there and of course JJ Watt in the second and a half coming back from the pup list of that back and then just the, the five groin tears or the five tears in his like uh his core essentially uh, and, and on that. So it seems like JJ's back, uh, and his, his younger brother, TJ, Scotty, let me tell you, I, I think now that Wisconsin will see actually see maybe more of a pro style look and no, just three step drops from those spread attacks this weekend. I think Watt and Vince Beagle could have a huge day. It, I'm sure they'll, I'm sure for sure that they'll scheme against those outside linebackers for the Badgers, but, uh, if they don't, you're looking at or they there's one play. Watt and Beagle probably make a huge play for for the Badgers' defense against the
2: Spartans. Yeah, you know, I'm worried about the Badgers and the injuries matter. And last week, I, boy, I, you know, I I didn't think they were as highly ranked as they should have been when they beat LSU. I think they're good. It was a good win, but I also think they're better than they looked last week. Man, that was. That was rough, and I know you were there covering it. Um, What did you? I mean, what did you take away from the game, especially as you were there as it was developing, and sitting up with the other uh, media?
0: There's always going to be a trap game, and it's. I I thought, and I think everyone thought it was going to be the Akron game. Let me just say that, and then they spelled that with that 54-10 win, and I'm. You know, I'll be honest. It it was. It's a humbling experience for am sure, for the fans. Because you're looking at the fact that this is a team that beat a, a number five team in the nation, LSU. Well, now, how good LSU is is completely dependent upon their quarterback play for the offense. Their defense is good. It may take a year to fully implement what Dave Aranda can do with that type of four-star, five-star talent. Uh, but, you know, Paul Chris, give him credit for that, because for the offensive game plan of attacking where Arden Key, who's their star pass rusher, was had to drop back into coverage, and he's still uncomfortable there because of the switch to the 3-4. So, you know, there's some game planning there that moved the ball down the field. Wisconsin could move the ball down the field on that LSU defense. Uh, and so, uh, and there were signs, good signs there. The defense held its own. It contained Fournette outside of two big runs, uh, a 30-yarder and a 19-yarder. But in Akron, they looked good. So, I mean, the emotions were high. I mean, I predicted um, – I did a, a quick show with Ben Wargle, our friend at BadgerNation.com, last week quick, for a quick spot, and I thought they'd win 68-10. to 10. I mean, you know, the, the players prepped well. Chris mentioned this, uh, that the, the players prepped well. I mean, that entire week, they were focused and whatnot. But sometimes, you know, you go onto the field and, and things happen, and it's – I would say – uh, you're looking at the fact that the defense held, but they're, I mean, you're facing injuries. You have, It's not necessarily the linebackers because you have Jack Sitchie and now T.J. Edwards is back, but even without him, Ryan Connolly was playing really well. Uh, the former walk-on from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, had seven tackles against LSU, including that big one on third down in the fourth quarter in that four x screen pass. But, you know, so it, it, the front seven's solid. There's a little bit of errors with, with the secondary uh, and, and some mismatches and, and just missed tackles uh which led to some big plays. I mean they gave up if I'm not mistaken like past, was it, 60, 40, and thirty eight yards. So three big plays over thirty five yards on that secondary. And so you know, when when you read the other media reports like from uh Jeff patricus and others, uh you'll you'll see that, you know, that they, they've kinda of made up for it and, you know, they're they're working on their confidence and they, seems like they rebounded well in those last two drives, but uh, you know really with I mean it kind of goes back to the offense where uh, they should have been up 16, nothing at the half and, and let's say if let's say if Bart Houston, you know or Bradrick Shaw doesn't fumble at the goal line and then Gaglinoni doesn't wipe out a chip shot 30 yard field goal. they're up 16 nothing at the half and, and, and is this quarterback it's no longer a controversy because Hornerbrook start Alex Hornerbrook starting. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to go in, but you know, there's tons of, I mean, it's a Chris always says this and he felt bad because it wasn't necessarily that Houston played bad. It's just, they needed a spark on that offense. And when you're three for nine on third downs and you miss two huge red zone opportunities to, to make it more than a one score game, you know, something needed to be done. You can understand why I'm not totally surprised with the Hornerbrook change, but you know, but you see Hornerbrook come in, And, uh, he just makes, you know, he, he hit the receivers. He was eight at 12. The one interception wasn't on him, uh, on that, on his fault. That was a George rushing, uh, drop essentially that was tipped up in the air. But the big thing Chris always talks about is converting on third downs and converting on your red zone opportunities. And Houston didn't do it. He was a little out of rhythm. He wasn't helped by some drops here and there, I mind you, but, it also revolved around the fact that Hornerbrook did that. He converted it. They were 5-7 of seven on third downs the rest of the game, and they scored 17 of the team's 23 points in a quarter and a half. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, I, I think now it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Georgia State is not Michigan State, and so we will see how they do against Michigan State. But, uh, I mean, it just goes to show you, and Michigan State, you know, granted, they had a great win against Notre Dame last week but they struggle against FCS opponent Furman. So it's still early on. Uh, the uncertainty is warranted, but, you know, I think the, the strength of this, this team is on its front seven in the defense. Uh, and right now I think on offense, granted, the injuries on the offensive line are really thinning out the group, but uh, if they can keep, if Clement can play in that offensive line, the running game, if they can get that started, I think that'll be a strength for them. But you can't even call it a strength in my opinion right now when they don't have, everyone 100% or, or even just the key players uh, available.
2: Yeah. So, again, though, now we're at the cusp of what becomes a, a little bit of a meat grinder schedule for them. Are they going to, you know, even if they were 100% and even if everybody was healthy, everybody, consensus of everybody we've talked to, fans, fans, uh, opinion people that we really trust, things of that nature. We all felt the same way, right? We all felt this was going to be a rough part of this schedule, correct? So yeah. how how do they navigate through this being shorthanded for this week for sure, and who knows how some of these will linger as they get into the, the rest of these next four or five games?
0: Well, I mean, the the nice thing about it is that they have, and this is, this is a very fortunate thing for them, they have – a bye week right after Michigan. Now they have a big game against Michigan State. Of course, two days from now they have Michigan next week. They get a bye week to rest up against until they can face Ohio State at home at night. So they're good, so they'll have a week to rest up. But it is, you know, if oh, Iowa stays the way they are when it comes to, um, you know, Iowa being, uh, you know, if they're ranked, they're 25th, I think, right now in the coaches' poll, not in the AP poll. But you know, they could face five team, ranked teams in the conference to start the season. And it, it's it's cliche, but it's also the next man up, where you know it, it is cliche. It's a terrible cliche, but it's also uh, it's true for Wisconsin. where you see guys plug and fit, having with you know Chris Orr being injured and Ryan Conley coming in against LSU. It's going to have to be probably Brett Connors, a walk on from new Berlin who, you know, is a versatile player where he can play all five positions essentially on the offensive line, which is a huge asset for a team. Uh, And especially in college uh, and how thin that offensive line is with Dan volts retiring. And now John and out for this game, at least uh, who is downgraded uh, with that, uh, with, with his injury. So, and Micah Capoys even, gosh, he, I mean, he's trying to battle through it, but he's got a, uh, you know, a left foot injury that he's had to battle since the LSU game. So, uh, I mean, they have to just keep fighting, and, and they're gonna have to have, especially against Michigan State. You're looking at the fact that uh, they're missing out on Gaglianoni, who looked back to his freshman year form back in '14. He, he converted seven of eight field goals. The only miss was that 30-yarder last weekend, and now you have a. Uh, a former walk-on, Andrew Endicott. I got a chance to interview him for the book. A great guy. Norm, but he's normally a kickoff specialist. This is a guy that hasn't attempted an p- extra point or a field goal in his college career at four years at Wisconsin. So uh, there's going to be a little uncertainty there. But Chris did mention that you know he had a great camp this summer and uh, in, in the spring. So he's he's had a great series of camps. He has the ability. You know he has confidence in him. And, and Chris mentioned it today at uh, Thursday's press conference. This team, uh, he wouldn't put out somebody that he wouldn't feel confident in. And so they seem pretty confident with the fact that uh, with Endicott, now obviously there will be situations where, uh, let's be honest, the you know the, the leg of Gaglianoni is impressive, and that's what you know you see in the 50-yarders, and he hit him accurately, and he hit him far and even longer than 50 yards. Endicott doesn't have the leg of one Rafael Gaglianone. So, I mean, there'll be some situations there. But they've got to keep battling through. And, and, you know, Chris' team, I really feel that Chris, you know, I mean, he'll have his team prepared. And Michigan State probably, I mean, it, it's, it's like looking in a mirror. But, you know, they get more talent, I'd say, at Michigan State, but uh, with, uh, you know, just maybe due to academics or just just the namesake too. But this team really, I think they'll become come ready to play. And it, you know, it's it. You, they're in that mentality of the the one and zero. They they really are. They're in that mentality of get to the next game and then it's on to the next one. And to trying to have that short memory and we'll we'll see how they go. I mean, the the players aren't. They, there's no lack of confidence there, but there's also a lot of respect for a team that you know on across the division the from them. Uh, you know, it's almost like looking in the mirror.
2: Yeah, I, I think there is uh, there is some of that and. And you did mention, too, Michigan State, big win last week, uh, but then looking bad against Furman. So if you're predicting this game, are the Badgers going to win?
0: Uh, the, the big thing, and I, I will say this, I am very uh, – let me say that they definitely have a chance to win. And, and they definitely do have a chance to win. That's without a doubt. Um, I will say, though, that I, just with the injuries, like if they were fully healthy, which no team will be at this time of the year, uh, just because you're, you're heading to the midway point, there are going to be four games in uh, in the next two weeks, or the next, yeah, uh, you know, you're looking at the next month is really the, the meat grinder of the schedule, as you mentioned. But uh, you know, if, if Clement was healthy, and let's say either Kapoy or Dieton were fully healthy, uh, I'd say they'd have a shot uh, offensively put up more points. I'm a little, And especially with Gaglianoni, I think this game's going to come down to special teams and field position. P.J. Rosowski's done an amazing job as a kickoff specialist. 13, I did a spot on Bucky's fifth quarter. 13 of 19 kickoffs have been gone for touchbacks at 68, over 68%. And, and so the field position, they haven't, they, you know, the opponents haven't started at, you know, 24-yard line. Um, that's their starting field position from doing some of the math. So uh, I think they're going to have to, you know, when they can't score, they're going to have to pin Michigan State back. They have to contain a guy like R.J. Shelton, who has been used on end arounds that ground game uh, with Scott. and I forgot the other running back for the Spartans. But um, I think the front seven can contain that that running attack. The only thing that's going to change is if they can contain Shelton on the outside on the edges. And also uh, they have a a true freshman wide receiver who's really – outstanding, and, uh, you know, it could be a deep threat. So you're going to have to have guys like Shodron Sh- Sheldr- Shelton, guys like Garrett Tindall really step up. Um, I Just because of, of the injuries and you're looking at, uh, yeah, I'm, I said with the injuries and then dealing with um, just being at East Lansing, I think it's like a 17-14 game. I think it's maybe a 2017 game, Scotty. I think it's close. Uh, I think uh, I think both teams will duke it out. I just think some maybe it comes down to a, a field goal that's missed, and uh, and it's nothing against uh, get Endicott, but uh, as well because uh, he's a he's a great guy, a great kid. But I just I don't know. Like the, the injuries mount up. Um, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull it off. This team is gritty. It's it's ready for a fight, and they always take each game seriously when and one game at a time. But um right now I'd say probably 20-17 uh, Michigan State.
2: Okay, that sounds fair. I'm actually thinking uh, a little bit higher, I'm uh, bigger spread, 24-17 Michigan State. Um, and I do think special teams and some of those other injuries will just be a little bit too much uh, at this point to overcome.
0: Yeah, so now it's, uh, you know, talking about overcoming things. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks now not even into their season, uh, not even into what is their camp. Is it dealing with Chris Middleton and now out for a significant amount of time, talking about six months with that hamstring tear?
2: Yeah.
0: What? I mean, with that team like what? You even I mean, is it too late? To, is it too early to even talk about lottery? Is it, is it? You know, I mean, you know, they just traded for Michael Beasley, obviously. From the Rockets, the journeyman I think well, was the number two overall pick, I think, in one of the drafts. I mean, I obviously, it's a huge impact. People regard Middleton as their best player on that team. So well, it, uh,
2: eh, eh, I don't. But here's the thing. I don't think it's too early to be thinking lottery. They were a lottery team last year with all three of those guys. Um, yes, they were going to improve a little bit, but what did they add? Jason Terry? Come on. You know, so... Could could I have seen them as a team that just missed the playoffs, even with everybody? Sure. Do they look like that team now? 100%. You know, it's hard to replace 18. You don't, first of all, you don't try to replace 18 points with one guy. You might have to spread that out because they don't have that one guy. But it, there are still parts that they're missing on this team that make them a huge contender. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think – I I think that they're going to struggle. So, no, it's not too early to think that because, like I said, I was thinking that already, and that was with everybody helping. So I think Michael Carter-Williams is an albatross, and he has to go. Um, They don't have a a true point guard. Um, There's a few disjointed parts that you could have probably made up, knowing that you had that made up for, knowing you had a shooter uh, in a shooting guard spot locked up, and now you don't. It's going to be tough. It's it, it's going to be a tough year. And uh, like, how does let me ask, you, how does Beasley
0: fit in the offense? Like, how does that? I don't know.
2: I I don't know because he's more of a three, not a two. But a, it it seems that that doesn't matter in this offense. Um, for Jason Kidd, like, they, I mean, the league has become more hybrid to begin with, and. And especially when it comes to the way Jason Kidd's run and things. So I don't know that it matters that he's not a true two. He, he, they like that he scored off the bench for Washington, although he did it in a limited amount of games. He was a talented enough player to be drafted very high, but he hasn't lived up to that, obviously. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I really just don't know how it's going to all play out.
0: Yeah, it, I know it's early too, you know, and I know they're still trying to figure out a way to unload somehow Greg Monroe probably, uh which this seems like there's not, you it, know not a good partner it, yeah. right now and maybe you well, think they could get it, some it, sort it, of swing player?
2: No, because it's the Bucks' fault. See, this is what I this is what bothers me. Didn't Greg Monroe have a great season last year? Absolutely not. Is Greg Monroe different than what we thought we were getting? He he's not a defensive player. He's never been a defensive player. So I think it's weird that the team, if the team admits that, oh, he didn't fit into to the scheme and he wasn't a good defensive player, then I want to know, what were you looking at when you went out and paid the money for him? So then I'm, then that's on you as the team, as the coaches and the general managers. If you made that kind of a faux pas because you didn't, what, didn't do your homework? Like, again, Monroe, when I signed him, I didn't think, I'm like, I don't know about this signing, but he's exactly kind of what I thought they were getting, and for them to be as surprised by what they've got out of him, it kind of makes them look bad, don't you think? Like, again, did you not do your homework? or What, what did you think you were getting in Greg Monroe?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's the... and uh, uh, I, I guess that's maybe really the one thing where you have... Just the way, I mean, the way that this team's put together, right? And I think that's maybe the one thing, you know, you have the, how do I say, yeah, I just, they're they're built a certain way that made them look impressive that first year for Jason Kidd, a guy like you know Zaza Pachulia, you had guys, uh, you know, uh, who's the other one, uh, Dudley, right? Where uh, some veteran leadership there, and Grant Brandon Knight was great too. So I mean, there was, they had the ability to do this, uh, and and make a. You know, and kind of have that blend of youth plus the ability to, uh, you know, have that leadership. And, uh, you know, uh, it, Zaza was just, I think, a great complement in that system. And now it's, uh, it's not the case. I Monroe, mean, this wasn't the fit. So I don't know what – like you said, I don't know what they, what people thought or what I – You mean, it was a, I think it's a huge signing. I think it was a huge signing to show that Milwaukee can be a place someone can go, but – Schematically, it, just, it looks like, in hindsight, it wasn't a good fit. Well, and,
2: and, and I made the comment. I said they devalued them. They did because they've been saying since midseason that they can't wait to unload them. So that they, then they're surprised that there aren't people beating down their door to give them fair value for them. Well, why would you? You basically have told everybody, yeah, we got to get them out of our system. Okay, well, then um, you're going to get them for peanuts. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like So, again, that was another misstep by the organization. You know to 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 call him out and basically say, "Yeah, we can't wait to get rid of this dude." okay, fine. But again, don't don't be surprised when people aren't you know that doesn't mean Greg I'm telling you right now, Jake, it doesn't mean people don't want Greg Monroe. They're just going to wait for the bucks to blink and give him away just to get him off the roster.
1: You know so you know, as
2: bad of a season as it's perceived he had last year and all that other stuff, people still would want Greg Monroe but at their price, not at the Bucks price.
0: Any other quick hitters we want to discuss before we uh, wrap it up, brother?
2: No, I'm looking forward to next week and getting a chance to talk some baseball playoffs. Uh, Great wild card races in both the National League, which is a three-team race, and the American League, where it's a five-team race. Talk about some Badgers and hopefully a win and see if the Packers can find the magic bean to fix their woes.
0: Absolutely. We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk all things football. Uh, can the Badgers pull off that upset and, and what they look ahead to then against Michigan and Jim Harbaugh uh, and before their bye week, which I'm sure with all these injuries will be much needed for the players just to take some time off. Uh, but it happens all the time with college football and before they hit Ohio State. So uh, real quick too, pre-sale pre-orders for walk on this way, the ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk on tradition is available right now, kcisports.com. It's KCI, sportscom uh, Click on there. You can order. They do accept PayPal, uh, and you can order online, or you can call 1-800-697-3756. Once again, 1-800-697-3756. Uh, and it's, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, to almost two years' worth of work. And we uh, we have it together. It's uh, it's being printed right now. And uh, a lot of good buzz there from, from current former players uh, and, and just those that uh, we were able to interview. So um, make sure you guys check it out. If you guys feel like it, it's a great holiday stocking stuff. Or, you know, it's always never too early to order that. Uh, and uh, thank you guys again. And, and hopefully you guys enjoy.
2: Yeah. And I've got uh Florida trip coming up. I'll be in Florida next week when we talk. Leaving on Saturday mornings. Friday I have a wrestling match up at the Shack and Fond du Lac. Uh, kind of rhymes. It's Kind of an interesting. Uh, nice. The Shack and Fond du Lac. There you go. So, uh, so that's what I got. So when we talk, it'll be my yearly uh, talk from Oceanside when we, uh, when we get into it. So there you go. And I
0: am jealous. Uh, I am jealous. I wish I could get down there. But I did tell my wife, if we do somehow sell 10,000 copies of this book, uh, I will take her to Hawaii and she cannot say any differently because that sounds like a lot of fun, but, uh, but yeah. So no, other than that, you guys take care. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy football being back. It's always fun to talk this time of the year. Uh, and like I said, uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Kilbasa Kings WI at jcoco B5Q at Scott 2 uh, And of course at B5Q and Doza Pacinia, my friends, We'll see you next week.
1: Accordion Solo American Folk, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records
2: sure
0: Uh, so no i just uh trying to build up the try to get the book out as much as possible and somehow make a career out of this i don't i doubt i that will happen but you never know yeah
2: then you
0: Up Scotty there